هاي جايز حلقه جديده من ابسورد واليوم اتس ان ابيزود يو دونت وانا ميس اتس اباوت منتل هيلث منتل هيلث رح نحكي فيها كثير اشياء مهمه ديبانكينج ميث اشياء ميس اندرستاندينج يمكن نحن كان عندنا اياها او ميس كونسبشنز عندنا اياها عن الموضوع و اتس ريلي غانا بي انترستينج ومعنا كمان which is making it even more interesting Dr. Diana Matu. Hi, Dr. Diana. Hi, thank you for inviting me to uh, this uh, podcast and uh, the subject that's very important to me. Thank you so much for coming. It's really a pleasure for us. Uh, it is a really important uh, subject. Just before we uh, dive in, uh, let's just give a bit of a background uh, of about Dr. Dr. Diana. Uh, I wrote it exceptionally this time. Dr. Diana <laughs> Admar. I am the issue of Hayata. I had to write it down. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dr. Diana holds a doctorate degree in clinical psychology from Montreal, Canada, where she worked and study, studied. She works with uh, teenagers and adults, and she uses the psychodynamic approach in therapy. It's an appro- approach based on psychoanalysis, and we'll know a bit more about it uh, from Dr. Diana throughout the episode. Uh, she is also the founder of the Hammond Clinic uh, here in Dubai, which was established in 2016. Dr. Diana, again, thank you and welcome. Uh, let's start immediately by asking you uh, the Yimkin mainstream question. Why mental health is, do you think it's still a stigma? We see clear alam, I want to see a therapist. I'm, uh, I don't want to see a therapist. I'm not... I'm not crazy. Oh, I don't need a therapist. Um, because I think a lot of people still believe that it's a sign of weakness to, to go to therapy. Um, depending on what they heard growing up from previous generation, that uh, they think that let's say only people who have like uh, serious uh, issues like i'm sorry to use this term like they're crazy go to therapy so there's this very bad uh, i mean stigma surrounding uh, going to therapy like as if only people who are really unwell uh, can go to let's say should go to therapy and of course there's a resistance when people uh, uh, decide to go to therapy because they had to f- they have to fight this uh, these stigmas yeah. around them but thankfully uh, it's changing with the presence of uh, psychologists uh, on the ground uh, on social media on tv it's become more uh, if you want normal to seek uh, i mean support and uh, regarding their mental health so there's a vague of change that's happening thankfully uh, I see less this resistance, uh, I mean, happening uh, around us. And uh, we can say, Hala, no, this is good that now social media and everything that's happening is helping because we have a lot of things that's happening with social media and that's bringing negative stuff. So to know that this stigma is being broken because of these things is very nice. I, uh, I know something positive out of this. We go see a dentist, we go see a Hakim. I think this should be normal as well. to see if we're well or unwell. This should be the case as well. I don't think we need to wait until 
uh, we're unwell or there's like something major that broke us so we can probably prevent as well uh, this speaking of this maybe yeah because uh, you were talking about send the blood test we do it every uh, three months four months we about therapy we don't really think of this because usually we don't see anything we don't see any symptoms so also my question is like uh, dr diana when do we start when do we think uh, we need to uh, start seeking therapy do we need to wait until we see any symptoms or why is it always like this like we need to f- see there's a pattern we need to see that something ha- has happened to uh, to seek someone because there's a sense also of shame associated with the idea of going to therapy unlike seeing uh, other doctors like you mentioned let's say a dentist or a, a bone doctor you know this is more accepted socially than going to uh, to uh, therapy so because of that feeling of shame people take more time to see uh, let's say a psychologist and uh, it's quite sad because i've seen let's say people who are like let's say uh, 60 years old after they've made let's say their choice of partners uh, life choices career choices that were not appropriate to them coming to therapy Uh, it doesn't mean that we can't work and on trying to improve but you understand that 60 years of their life Mm. uh, has passed already so like i always i can imagine what how things could have been different if the person had seeked support much better, much before, I mean, than uh, going there. And regarding that, like when, let's say, I see a patient who also needs to uh, take medication, of course, in that case, I refer to a psychiatrist. There's a lot of resistance as well regarding uh, medication. Okay, that's another uh, topic regarding medication, not only seeking uh, therapy. I always give this image of, 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 let's say, imagine that you break a bone, okay, you have an accident. So you need crutches, you know, to, to support you and to help you uh, heal mm-hmm. in your process until you're able to walk again. So this is the same, uh, the same concept, you know, oh, you, you, you need support right now. Let's say someone who's, who's unable to get out of bed, someone who's not able anymore to go to work, someone who lost uh, interest in any social uh, um, interaction with his uh, environment, uh, who lost interest in doing things or pleasure in doing uh, things that he used to enjoy before. So in that case, uh, therapy sometimes is not enough. Sometimes they also need an extra support with, a, let's say, a medication. So that's where I use this example, you know, of why is it okay to go and seek uh, I mean, Any medical, medical treatment, yes, yeah. and it's more difficult uh, to to imagine, you know, going to uh, to see a psychologist or even a psychiatrist. Well, so it know? should be normalized, like we do it, and for uh, it's for our well-being, mental and physical. Physical, we see the, ma- uh, the medical doctors for the mental well-being. We should see uh, a therapist. But Dr. Diana, some people consider therapy as expensive it's super expensive my personal opinion in this uh, and I will hear this from you more like, you know what it takes uh, to do therapy or to be a therapist but in my opinion we really all uh, or most of us spend a lot of money on things uh, that 
not necessarily get us any good and we don't feel it we should normalize spending as well on uh, our well-being and mental well-being but from a professional perspective what do you say to people who it's expensive um you know let, let's be clear for some people you know it's it's not even a choice to go to therapy or not sometimes it becomes it is a necessity when someone has even the feeling that they're unable to even exist we're even below pleasure of life of living like i mentioned it uh, previously so if they even feel that it's either they go and see a psychologist to either i mean it, they're close to let's say uh, death you know there it becomes a necessity to go and see a therapist nice. so regarding the fees i mean it's expensive it's expensive in many ways actually it's an investment of uh, time it's an investment of energy it's an investment of money of course and uh, the the fees i mean uh, they have a, a, a significance as well uh, if the therapy let's say was not was at a very very let's say low price some people wouldn't take it seriously yeah and i believe that symbolically the price they pay to go to therapy is actually the price they pay to acquire their freedom it's a it's a it's a price they pay it has to be uh, a certain amount of uh, of money that they need to take out of themselves to feel that you know first of all they take it seriously because if the price is too low they might miss sessions they might uh, you know not take it seriously they might think that it's not as serious you know as and also it might be actually cheaper than the price they will pay if they don't seek therapy when they need it so exactly so for me it's really related to the fact that you need to pay actually in order to uh, to gain your freedom it has a a price to pay. Another reason is actually uh, to become a psychologist. Okay, it took like uh, let's say if you want to, if you're someone who has a PhD, for example, it means like 13 years of studies, uh, of sacrifice, of uh, experience that you gain, and of course, the more you work, the more you acquire experience. So it's also a price people pay for the knowledge. You know, and the experience you've acquired, it took. It takes a lot of discipline, it takes a lot of sacrifice. It's expensive, as well, to become a, a psychologist. So that also is the reason why, you know, there's a fee that uh, is quite uh, high. But we were discussing this, uh, Gerard, about yeah. uh, uh, some. I mean, the prices can be discussed, you know. A few packages come in. Some some uh, clinics, I think, or they offer packages. It's part of actually when uh, we do an assessment. I mean, I do an assessment in therapy. How I work usually, I take three or four sessions to do an assessment, okay? To try to understand what brings the person to therapy. Uh, we discuss uh, their childhood, uh, what they're suffering from. Uh, we assess sometimes the mood, the attachment, the type of attachment they have. And, uh, and then we discuss the price of the session. So I personally, I don't know how other psychologists work, but I personally discuss the fees with them because I want the price to be, of course, uh, reasonable for me 
and I want them also to be able to afford coming to therapy. So, so if the insurance company covers, let's say, the, the, the fees, there's no reason why they cannot afford paying that, yeah. uh, that fee since they're going to be reimbursed. Now, if, let's say, they say I don't have an insurance and clearly they need support. So in that case, I discuss with them and agree on a price that really that's suitable for them and for me. And if even that is difficult, then I propose a package where really the price is much lower. So the idea is that actually it's therapy for all. So when there is a way, uh, there is a will, there is a way, like we say. Exactly. And it's important like as well for us as therapists to accommodate everyone so everyone can come. But I repeat, the price cannot also be unreasonably, and unreasonably low. Mm. It has to be a certain amount where they feel that they are spending, okay, not only financially, because between the sessions, there's a lot of work that's being done. Uh, they analyze uh, things. They, they, they have to take note sometimes of the dreams they, they have. Uh, we discuss some things. I always like to, to close, let's say, end the session with a question. For me, the questions are very important. This is what leads us to, uh, by association, of course, to another topic. And, mm. uh, and, and then it, it opens other doors. This is how we explore, actually things that are they're not really aware of you know so you said a few things that are very interesting to me as well like and i see it uh, in many fields such as mine uh when they say that your price is high of course you're paying for the experience people don't see that and uh they just see that they're sitting one hour speaking to someone so i sure for what happened uh, behind the scene what happened to you for you to get there and for them to get the help they need because those 13 years of experience they're very important for that people to feel better so oh. therapy, just uh, to, to clarify, therapy doesn't happen only in the, the office. Uh, when the patient leaves, uh, there's a lot of thinking regarding, I mean, on the part of From the therapy. End, exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, reading, there's a lot of research. Analyzing. Analyzing and their supervision. I think as a therapist in private practice, like me, um, you cannot work alone. I mean, you always need the supervisor with you to discuss some cases, some difficult aspects of the therapy. And uh, there is a lot of work being done outside of the therapy and from both sides. And I always tell people, what you get out of therapy is also how much you put in therapy. That's what I meant by investment, not only of money, of time, of time, thinking. Time, energy, of course. Because sometimes you have people coming and, uh, you know, I can ask uh, since the last time I saw you, did you think about something you want to discuss? And I tell you no. <laughs> but in that case, I mean, I'm not going to do the work on my own. Yeah. I mean, and then I, I explain that this is something we have to do together. So and you have people on the contrary, they come and they, they have with them like a, a booklet and they write like everything they thought about uh, between the sessions. Yeah. And uh, that investment is amazing. Like you see how much they want to get out of the very uh, difficult situation they're in. So it really depends on actually it's a it's a hard it's hard work from both sides, from yeah. the side of the patient, from the side of the therapist. So to 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 close on that question, actually, it's not only someone sitting and passively listening to a patient in front of them, I mean, it's, there's a way to listen. 
And we, as therapists, are trained to uh, listen between the lines. يعني الله يصبركم تتحملونا. Like when you get to that point that you're comfortable enough to sit with someone to speak with that person for an hour, like. For me to get to that point, how what does it take to start this process? What does it take to start therapy? Because for me, it's a, it's a scary thought because of society, maybe. That's a very interesting question for me. Like, how do you start this? You mean as a patient? Yeah, yeah. like when you when you assign myself, I want to start therapy. Um, even though I have everything covered for me, which is the insurance, even if I have all the means to go to therapy, what what would I need? What would it take for me to start the therapy? My first uh, guess would be actually the pain. Because people, when they come to therapy, they've tried a lot, like different ways. Like, for example, they try to read books. But to my knowledge, books don't uh, reply to you. <laughs> because because you need to no it helps but the apps the ones come in you use before you sleep you listen <laughs> it doesn't work podcast whatever no, <laughs> it listen, li- listen they do help but it's not enough because in order to grow and transform something inside you you need another person at least one person with who you can talk and analyze things so yes it does help uh, reading books but the problem is that it's very intellectual And a good therapy, a good effective therapy works at the level of the emotions. Mm. And that is how therapy works, actually. It's yeah. not intellectualizing, you know, like, and for example, I have people coming and they know all the concepts and te- technical words of therapy. But you know what? Nothing changed. Mm. And then uh, I, I, of course, nicely and progressively ask them to put aside these uh, technical words and try to make it more personal about their unique personal experience uh, and put aside these technical uh, concepts. Because therapy should work at the level of the emotion. And for that, you need another person. So another thing that I tried is not only reading and uh, listening to podcasts and whatever, is to also try to talk to I mean, people around them. But some people around them, you know, they're not trained to, uh, yeah. to, to let's say, deal with uh, their conflicts, okay? Uh, and then after that, they realize that it's not working. The, the pain is still there. And then, of course, with time, the pain increases. So what brings someone, actually, to go to, to, go to therapy is the pain. It's not going. Mm. It's actually increasing. And the second thing, I think, is the courage. The courage to tell yourself, okay, I need support. I need support, and it takes a lot of humbleness. Uh, it, it means also, if you come from an environment that told you, you know, that it's shameful to go to therapy, it's uh, a sign of weakness, uh, it's fighting the stigma. And to open up as well, therapist, you need to talk about your past, your present, about things you probably acknowledge that you did wrong, and it takes a lot actually to open up. And what helps also uh, people, you know, to, uh, to go to therapy is sometimes their friends or people around them already started therapy and they see, mm. let's say, the improvement. That definitely encourages them, you know, to go to therapy, yeah. you know. So, so having yeah. a good uh, circle of friends and having the courage uh, is very important. But yeah. what saddens me and sometimes that they need 
to feel a certain pain or they sh- they need to feel something that happened to them to feel before that they, they go this yeah f- for me this is a sad reason but i mean this is what That's happens in society every day so yeah. my case uh i didn't feel any pain but i felt like something was building up and i felt like it was too much and i was affecting the circle around me that is supposed to help me so uh, this was the driving factor for me that okay i should maybe talk to someone because maybe it's not there it's not that they have a problem maybe it's me because they cannot just all react the same way and i would blame them sometimes coming your circle can do so much uh, at the end of the day your circle can support you today tomorrow for a week but when there's a major problem it needs to be solved uh, dr diana question come in uh, when we go to therapy when we go to therapy we expect probably immediate results like maybe anything especially nowadays if we go to the gym we we expect immediate results therapy as well and i think it's a very long process uh or can it be short process sometimes what should a patient going to to therapy expect in terms of time basically that's a very frequent question almost everyone asks so to make it simple, it depends really on the on the approach and the the, the type of therapy uh, the psychologist uses. Like uh, you mentioned, uh, Gerard, that my approach is the actually psychodynamic therapy, which is based on psychoanalysis. So it can be um, short term, and it can also be open ended. Okay, so it it takes more time, sometimes years. Uh, you have other type of uh, psychologists, you know, they use a different approach uh, that is really like more focused on um, alleviating, let's say, um, uh, symptoms yeah. mainly, mm. which is not what psychodynamic uh, therapy does. So depending on the type of therapy you choose, ah, okay. the type of psychologist, uh, who, I mean, the different type of approaches, uh, timeline before. yes but if there's one thing I always tell people coming to me I mean how many sessions do I need it's impossible to determine the number of sessions for many reasons first of all you don't know since when the person is suffering from uh, what brings them to therapy mm. you don't know actually also the personality of the, the patient uh, you don't know um, I mean how they 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 take the, the, the they receive uh, they receive the therapy I mean, they're the, willing to open up yes and i think this is due probably to the society we live in we, we want things to be fixed very quickly yeah unfortunately if there is one thing someone needs to really understand when they go to therapy is that they need to learn how to be patient and a lot of uh, patients will tell you but i'm not patient i said well this is something we will need to to, to work on yeah, because patients need to be patient exactly <laughs> patient uh, comes from the word latin means uh, patere patere means uh, suffering mm. okay and uh, to answer your question what brings people to to it's the pain to, to therapy so it, patere and also means like you need to be patient it takes time and therapy is a process it's not Let's say you come two, three times, and then the the issue is fixed. But, al- but also, like if the patient expects a um, quick result, it's not expecting it from the therapist. I mean, if you cooperate, if you tell your story, if you're honest, if you don't hide anything, as well, I feel like those things will uh, 
will be faster as a process. Whereas if you hide something and if you're just trying to lie to, lie to the therapist, it's gonna just drag it longer. So uh, I feel like this is also, a, uh, when you ask this question to, to, to a therapist, you should know that this is coming from you as well, if you wanna have the, a process that is faster. Yeah. Dr. Diana, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like an emergency. <laughs> it's not. No, but but the on the process of you know therapy and what brings patient to therapy. Uh, and you mentioned the different forms of of therapy and approaches. Uh, what there's a new trend now. Uh, healers and life coaches we all know manun therapists on manun they're seeing psychology they're not even psychiatrists nothing so they're uh, healers Anna in my opinion which was very clear in the episode we when we spoke about this I still don't know you know what they exactly do uh, but from a psychologist perspective how do you see this uh, therapy so Anna can I decide uh, no life coach uh, coaching works for me better than better than therapy and decide to seek life coaching instead of therapy but I think uh, uh, life uh, uh, coaching is a um, completely different way of working actually I think from what I know maybe I'm wrong that they're mainly focused on uh, strengthening, if you want, uh, the ego, strengthening uh, who you are, you know, in the, in the here and now, mm. and how to uh, overcome, let's say, a specific challenge. Okay. It's targeted. It's targeted, and it's really like ba- focused on now. It, it does not go and dig into, let's say, uh, uh, early uh, experiences in your life, like childhood and uh, things like that, for, because this is for them, I think, not necessary. Yeah. Right? مظبوط وهون في سؤال في عالم اليوم بيقولوا انه بفضلوا لايف كوتشز على ثيرابي لانه لايف كوتشنج بيقولوا لهم شو يعملوا بالفيوتشر ذي بلان يعني ذي بلان ذا فيوتشر اند ذي دونت نيد تو جو تو يو نو ديك ديب ان ذير باست القصص اللي بتعذبهم او الميموريز اللي ما بحبوا يتذكروها اولو اي فيل ذس از يعني مش كثير اكوريت لانه we come from you know the past we need to understand our past is a fish is ajna we should solve it before we plan anything uh, in the future but what do you say uh, what do you say about this life coaching is better than therapy because they talk about the future not the past well i think this is very reductionist because if you don't know where you come from how do you know where you're going mm-hmm. I think because we are a continuity, I mean, who we are today, our identity is constructed since even before we are born, how we were expected by our, I mean, uh, our parents, our environment, okay? And on top of this, we hold, you know, some uh, transgenerational uh, um, effects, you know, that go, they they go from generation to generation. And you come already with a lot of, baggage so imagine saying to someone just put this aside let's focus on now and what's coming i think it's like amputating a big part of your identity and 
this is very different from the kind of work uh, we do as psychologists. Your approach is using basically uh, talking about the, the childhood actor and understanding the childhood of your patients, right? Yes, so actually the, the specificity of psychodynamic therapy, which is the approach I use, uh, it's uh, based on psychoanalysis. It uses the concept and the theory of psychoanalysis, but it's just adapted in okay. a different setting. So there's a very um, sad misconception about uh, psychodynamic approach that it only focuses on the past. Mm. Well, I have an issue with that because it does not focus on the past. It focuses on how the past is extremely present in our actual conflicts today. For example, I grew up, let's say, in a very uh, toxic uh, family environment. And then in my relationships, I keep choosing uh, par partners that are very toxic to me because I repeat what's familiar to me. I repeat what I know the most, okay? So it comes from somewhere. It's a continuity. So for me, the unconscious doesn't know the notion of time. So we cannot talk anyways about the past. Mm. It's actually a, a, a time that I would call more actual. It's very active. It's very actual. So it's repetitive. This is a concept that's really at the core of uh, psych psychodynamic therapy. So it means that this repetition is like essential. Mm -hmm. It's essential to highlight uh, that pattern. So since it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a time, if you want, that we call actual, uh, the, the, the main concern of, uh, of, of uh, psychodynamic therapy is not the past, is actually to create a past. Mm. It's actually to work on being able to put that past in the past in order for the person to not repeat any more painful um, uh, events mm. and being more free and more in control of their choices today. So, so it works, uh, the approach works mainly on creating a past. It's, so it, it, it doesn't mean because we talk of childhood, it means that the only concern is the past. There's not even the past. It's something very actual. It's still present with you, basically. Exactly. It's very present. And actually, the focus of psychodynamic therapy is the present. And the present, how do we, do we know how it manifests itself? Also through the therapeutic relationship uh, between the patient and uh, the therapist. Okay? Because in that the, uh, therapy setting in the, the room, the way the person interacts with the therapist is also interpreted. Mm. Because with the therapist, they also repeat the kind of relationship they had outside. Why? How? By, by it being very active. And we use that because this is probably how it's also happening outside. Okay, so we work a lot on, uh, on emotions, as I mentioned. We work a lot on um, the early attachment, okay, uh, that the person has internalized. Uh, we work a lot, we focus on dreams, we focus on the parts of the self that are still yeah. quite unknown to the person and to make the person more aware, more conscious of their, I mean, patterns. And mm, mm. these conflicts reflect themselves in their actual difficulty. Yeah.
هلا يو منشند كان بدك تقول شيء كريم؟ يا وانت تو سي ذات انه ذا كونسبت اوف لايف كوتشز ار ريديكولس تو مي يو كانت جست فورجيت يور باس اند بريتند ذات اتس اول جلومي اند بيرفكت فروم ذات اكشوال داي مضبوط ات ويل بايت يو باك اند ات ويل نوت سولف اني ايشو ذات يو هاد بيفور هاند ذات مايت بايت يو اب اجين ان ذا فيوتشر اتس ا باجج از شي سيد دكتور ديانا ذات يو تيك ذات يو هاف سينس يور تشايلد هود سينس يور بورن سينس ايفن بيفور يور بورن So you cannot just pretend that this has never existed and uh, you go on with your life. مضبوط 100% I have كمان كم مكتوب شيء سوري انا Last thing regarding this I think it's even dangerous to uh, to give this idea that you know um, anyone no matter where they come from mm. whatever they went through can become super powerful can become you know Uh, achieve like even uh, I mean uh, the sky is the limit I mean that's an issue because no a lot of people because of their own limitations okay they cannot achieve these things you know so I think it's quite delusional to put everyone in the same basket okay and yeah and we need to clarify exactly what what do they actually heal when they say <laughs> they're healing and you can achieve this and you can know some people cannot achieve because they have limitations yeah. okay and 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 I, i think that's quite reductionist and i i think that's quite also dangerous yeah dr diana again we mentioned it in the episode healing or healers uh, most and i don't generalize but most of the healers or like healers i know uh, actually need healing and therefore we <laughs> We named the episode "Healers Who Need Healing." It's, <laughs> it's really no, like really, it, it comes to a point where it's ridiculous. We just cannot, you know, um, claim that we heal. We do th- things that have specifications, have specialized people. It's beyond that. I think. Ma fi na wahad yikun just bishtigil bil marketing or bishtigil bil. He's an engineer, and then he'll to become to become a healer. Um, You mentioned about diagnosing patients. If today I have someone who has a problem, he doesn't know how to solve the problem, but there is a problem in his life that is limiting him from doing what he wants to do. And then I tell him, for example, I don't know, anxiety, you diagnosed him. Is this something that affects him? Because now he knows what he actually is suffering from, makes him feel even like worse and have more anxiety? Again, I'm gonna reply based on my own personal experience, okay? I think that me as a psychologist, of course I'm trained to diagnose. Of course I am allowed to diagnose, but the way I deal with diagnosis is a bit different. Like I will not give a label to someone because I think this is, I think it's quite violent to tell someone, let's say, uh, you have a major depressive disorder. So in the, the, The only uh, positive thing about diagnosing is that if the person needs uh, like medication, mm. okay, in that case, it's not my role to diagnose someone. I can just refer them to a psychiatrist who's going to do that uh, assessment, psychiatric assessment, and then provide the medication because in order to get... In order to get, let's say, uh, treatment, medication, you need a diagnosis. 
In order to get reimbursed for insurance, you need a diagnosis. And by the way, uh, most insurance companies, when they request a diagnosis, they want a diagnosis from a psychiatrist, mm. Not, mm. From the, not from the psychologist. It's not accepted. It's more the psychiatrist. So I separate things. When people need a diagnosis in order to get reimbursed for insurance or they need medication, I refer them to a psychiatrist. So I do diagnose. It doesn't mean that I don't diagnose, but I diagnose differently. I don't just label uh, someone. Let's say you have anxiety. Uh, I explain, for example, the, the, the meaning of that anxiety. Mm. Because when you say someone, let's say, is depressed or anxious, it can be you, Gerard, or Karim. Both of you, let's say, can have the diagnosis of anxiety. But what does it mean about your story? Mm. Let's say uh, the, the patient X can have anxiety about being abandoned uh, because let's say in their childhood uh, there was a traumatic incident where they felt abandoned at an early age. Okay, so we try to make links actually to find meaning to their personal unique story. So you put this in a context of you know, their own story. Uh, that makes more sense than just labeling someone. Another person can have an anxiety of being persecuted. Yeah. Okay? And a, a third person can have a different type of anxiety. Mm. So it's very important to just put things in context based on their personal unique story. That is a diagnosis. Mm. And for me, that's a diagnosis that's much more meaningful and actually touches more uh, patients because you care about their story and they become curious makes sense much about their internal words yeah. yeah exactly for me uh for example i didn't know even that there is a differentiation between between those two like even me as a patient when i want to start therapy i'm very confused there are so many things there are so many factors so many divisions and you mentioned something and i'm curious now uh, what would be the difference between psychotherapy and uh, psychiatry so um, that's it's a very a, common question, I think. Yes, that's yeah. a very frequent question. Uh, like, for example, uh, you can have, let's say, a patient calling uh, the clinic to book an appointment. And when they come, they tell me, uh, I want, uh, let's say, uh, medication because I'm unable to sleep. And then I have to explain that actually I'm not a psychiatrist. <laughs> so I ask, do you know the difference between psychiatry and psychology? And then you need to, of course, it's part of our role as psychologists to also educate people. So you need to explain what's the difference. Of course, I refer them to see a psychiatrist. So psychiatrists, mainly, they studied medicine to start with, and then they did uh, residency in psychiatry in, uh, in a hospital mm -hmm. setting. And then after that, they obtained you know, their degree uh, in uh, psychiatry. Um, some of them also are trained uh, as therapists. So you have psychiatrists who also do therapy. So they do both, but they're trained for that. Now, psychologists is different, and psychiatrists are the ones actually who are th therefore allowed to prescribe medication and to diagnose. Okay, psychologists also diagnose, but as I mentioned, like differently. So, psychologists, no, from the beginning they studied psychology. Usually, it takes three years to get a, a bachelor degree, and then depending on where you study, let's say if you're in the U.S. or in Canada, you go directly from the bachelor. Hmm. degree to a PhD degree or a PsyD degree or both. So, and that is like seven years of studies. Before, let's say in 2016, uh, not 2006 actually, you still could do a master's 
after the bachelor degree mm. to become, let's say, a psychologist and have the title. And now it's not allowed anymore. In order to have the title of clinical psychology in the US and Canada, you need to have a PhD degree. So they removed actually the master's in clinical psychology. It's replaced now by a master's in research, where you only, you're allowed only to do research mm. with your master's and not see patients. In other countries, it's different. In the UK, yeah. you can do that. So psychologists actually only mainly focus on, you know, therapy or also research. Okay. You can choose if you want to be basically doing research or if you want to specialize in working with patients and doing clinic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Diana, you mentioned before what it takes for someone to start therapy. So حكينا شوي عن إنه واحد بده يكون جاهز to open up. لازم هو يكون willing to go. مش someone sent him. لأنه أكيد من هي he will be dealing with the psychologist. He will be opening up, being honest about everything. So بده يكون مستعد يحكي بمشاكله basically and willing. وأكيد it takes كمان a skilled therapist. بس سؤال إذا اليوم عندك skilled therapist إذا أنا اليوم رحت عند skilled therapist وأنا I'm willing totally to to uh, do therapy I'm very interested very invested in this and I wanted to work can it still not work um, two things to answer your question actually it all depends on the the relationship that the therapist has with the patient okay or they have together uh, because one of the most important factors in therapy, aside from the technique used, is the relationship, the connection. If the connection is here, that's really like fundamental, okay? This is what really makes a therapy work. You know, it, you know some patients say, oh, I saw a lot of uh, therapies, but it didn't click. So they changed, which is the right thing to do, mm. because you need to feel comfortable when you go to therapy. Now, if despite that, there is a good alliance, therapeutic alliance that's in place. Yes, there are aspects of the, the patient that can make the therapy process very, very difficult. Like okay? what? Like, let's say, uh, typically, like a patient who has, let's, um, a masochistic position. You know, like, I think these are very difficult patients to work with, even if you're uh, very skilled, okay? Because in their dynamic, it's, it's quite paradoxical because they come because they want to change, but at the same time, they resist completely the change because they have this pleasure in showing that they're miserable. Wow. And this is also going to be replayed in the therapy uh, setting, in a relationship. How? By proving to the therapist that actually, you see, I told you, no one can help me. They come to feed on their pain. Exactly, and and it takes a lot of patience from the, the therapist. Sometimes the patient himself gets bored <laughs> and uh, leaves leaves the therapy. Uh, some can stay for, for a while, but really mainly to prove that they're miserable. There's nothing that uh, can get them better. Although 
you can clearly see that a lot of things have, have improved, you know, mm. but they don't want to be told, you know, that there is a progress. Wow. That's wow. You know, you have those people uh, willing to <laughs> do this effort for no result. Pay money. <laughs> pay money and uh, go to a therapist and spend time just to prove a point. This is something else. And you have those people and you have others who are really like, and they're afraid to go Uh, they don't want to be diagnosed and even when they go at the expense of uh, of a company they have this fear that the company might find out that they, uh, they have been diagnosed or they have issues and uh, that's where like what is this about what is the the confid confidentiality about the company and uh, the patient like do you have to say anything to the company do you keep it confidential yeah. uh, would the patient feel comfortable going Sorry, I don't if I can answer from a, يعني, a patient perspective. He, when you reimburse it al company, you don't even go through the company. It's just mm. between you and your insurance. Okay. And on the website of the insurance, يعني, you deal with all the papers. doesn't even go through the the company. Yeah. So I feel it's, I feel it's super is that like safe. I also think, I mean, is a, my employer found out that Anna, I have, let's say, a specific... Uh, I don't know, anxiety, let's say. And my employer found out, well, they need to find out and know because, you know, they need to be also helping me in some ways in the workplace. So, but you know, nobody knows from, from, from work. And it's, uh... But even if, let's say, um, this is, of course, confidential, but let's say someone calls and asks about a patient. This is, it's fully confidential, okay? But... I believe that there is no such thing as full confidentiality. There are, so when you see a psychologist say, oh, this is fully confidential, and this is not true. Because there are, I believe, like three cases, situations where we need to break the confidentiality, of course, with the, with the discussion with the patient, mm. okay? If I need to break confidentiality, I always need to inform the patient. I try, this is the first step, to tell the person, like, I will have to, you know, break confidentiality. So what are the three reasons? You have mainly um, a case of homicide. <laughs> you have a case of, let's say, a patient who is, let's say, suicidal, okay? Uh, and they, they're about to really harm themselves. You assess the risk. You assess the the emergency because you have there's a way to assess uh, suicidality, and uh, then of course in that case you need to tell the person I cannot let you leave my office because you, there's an imminent danger mm. towards themselves or towards someone else. Um, another reason would if you notice or you are quite worried that a child might be. Um, a victim of sexual abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, a child is in danger. Our role is to make sure that we protect the well-being of children because they're vulnerable. So it's our duty to make sure that they're safe. So that is another reason why we need to break confidentiality. Again, informing the patient, okay? And the third reason is mainly if the court asks to have access to a file. Okay, then we need to disclose and the information. And I think the patient does sign, if I'm not mistaken, on this, so they know, Yani, it's not... Uh... Yes, on the consent form, the consent form, uh, the, either you have a document that they sign before their first session, 
before they start therapy, they need to agree on this. So they know that these are the three reasons why we might break confidentiality. It can also be a verbal agreement, mm. but they're aware. We make sure they're aware of this. There is no such thing as full confidentiality. Right. Okay, that's that's interesting. So technically, it's confidential. Uh, until there is something very until bad. Until there's something very dangerous yeah. where it shouldn't be confidential. Uh, Dr. Diana, I want to show you a move, uh, talk show about uh, social media. اليوم بنشوف كثير on social media and it's something شوي I find it super absurd صراحة uh, إنه we find a lot of jokes about mental health بمعنى uh, how the memes you know that people share مثلا uh, uh, on Monday uh, I uh, deal with work and my anxiety and my dog I ha- يعني حتى even lame jokes and I don't understand what's the idea of, of these jokes the thing is we're normalizing being mentally not okay but we're not normalizing this as much as normalizing actually thinking, seeking therapy so we see that we're شوي كمان عم نخفف من قيمه مثلا the mental illness يعني لما تقول anxiety مش كل واحد عصب in my opinion شوي او ضايق او هذا صار معه anxiety ومش كل واحد يمكن خاف من شغله صار معه فوبيا مش كل واحد بحب يظبط بيته عنده او سي دي هول الكلمات اللي كثير بنستعملها على السوشيال ميديا فيري هيك كاجولي دونت يو ثينك شوي بيسخفوا شوي من ال من الاكشوال بيبل هو هاف ذيس ديزيزز او مش سوري مش ديزيزز ان ابسورد وورد ايشوز اكزاكتلي يا اي ثينك ات بانلايزز ات مينيمايزز بيكوز ذي هاف سيرتن كرايتيرياز ذات يو نيد تو ميك شور ذا بيرسون هاز ان اوردر تو دياجنوز ليت سي سمون ويز انزايتي اند ات از ا سيريس سيريس ديفيكولتي ات از بينفول اند ذا سيم جوز ويز تروما You can have uh, someone just, uh, I don't know, uh, something uh, simple happened to them. They said, I'm traumatized. Yeah, so yeah. so, so it's either, either banalizing or dramatizing, yeah. you know, so both, of, both of these. And there is also something I think it's important to discuss about uh, uh, wrong uh, assumptions that social media um, shows for example when they say um, I see it very frequently like uh, and I, I don't understand how this is possible like you need to let's say you go through something difficult you need to uh, forget and move on mm. or the concept of forgiveness you know it's so you see it everywhere you need to forgive you need to forgive yeah, all so the motivational uh, talks forgive you cannot uh, yeah. you know get better if you don't forgive now no one tells us how to forgive but it's just like forgive okay and forget also that's the best part forget now forget what and how to forget i have no idea because i think this is really like absurd i think this is quite uh, i mean ridiculous because nothing we go through as human beings goes away. The everything, every single experience we go through, even the ones we do not remember, actually, especially the ones we we do not remember, they leave traces. They leave traces physically in our body. They leave traces also psychologically. 
Okay. So forgiving is a concept that, you know, I have a very big issue with on how it's banalized. Actually, forgiving is for me more about grieving. Mm. Okay. Why? Because you acknowledged, you acknowledge a harm has been done. You acknowledge that you need to process. You acknowledge that it takes time and, and it's, they're very linked for me with grieving. It's acknowledging, it's not forgetting, it's acknowledging and it's understanding the pain that was caused, it's going through the pain that was caused and it's going through the five stages of grieving. Most so, good. Uh, Dr. Diana, I think this is uh, really interesting. Uh, thank you so much on uh, all information I think in today's world, where we normalized a lot of absurd things and we just deal with it as if it's totally normal. The only thing that we really should normalize is uh, seeking uh, mental uh, mental health or taking care of our mental health. We're not just harming ourselves. If we don't, we are harming people around us. Um, وذاز اولسو وقت كنا عم نحضر للحلقه في كوت قلت لي عنها ذاتس اميزنج فروم ا بوك اي ثينك كولد ذا ذا بوك ثيف ات سيز ال اولس ام اولس فايندينج هيومنز ات ذير بيست اند ورست اي سي ذير اجلي اند ذير بيوتي اند اي وندر هاو ذا سيم ثينج كان بي بوست بيكوز وي از هيومن بينجز هاف جود اند باد beauty and ugliness and we need to learn how to navigate between these two aspects and this is the complexity of us as human beings amazing thank you and uh, i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and please don't forget to subscribe <laughs>